I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Girlfriend's Guide to Sports podcast. My name is Claire Coles. And this is your weekly update. It's Monday, December 11th. Let's start with what you missed over the last week. Then we'll move on to what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. All right. So order has officially been restored. We are going to start with baseball like normal. So because big moves are being made. Angels star Shohei Otani is, isn't moving very far, but he is changing teams. The LA Angels fans have to be pissed because he is going to the in-city enemy, the Dodgers. In a blockbuster deal, Otani has signed a 10-year, $700 million contract with the team. This is the largest deal in MLB history by $250 million, but it is also the largest North American pro sports deal ever done. Now, how big exactly is that? To put that in perspective, that is more money than eight MLB teams operating currently. It is more than six NHL teams valuations by Forbes. And Derek, D Derek Jeter's career earnings were only $266 million. Also, another question, how do the Dodgers afford that? Well, it came out today that Otani is deferring $68 million per year so that he will only get paid $2 million a year for tax implications and so they can actually afford other players, and the rest will be paid out at the end of a contract. Now, that's a big payday in 2034 and beyond. He doesn't need it, though. It was supposedly his idea, with, uh, according to a source from someone that is close to the situation. Uh, but he is rumored to make $45 million in endorsements alone. So it's not like he needs a ton of that money right this second. 
Also, earlier in the week, the Yankees acquired outfielder Juan Soto from the Padres in a huge trade of seven players between the team. This is also Soto's second trade in less than just 18 months, so hopefully he didn't unpack all his bags. Moving along to the NBA, because the first in-season tournament ever has been completed and the Lakers may be 14 and nine on the regular season, but they played well in these games that mattered for the tournament. The Lakers were the number one seed in the West, but barely escaped the quarterfinals against the Suns, only winning by three. The Pelicans then upset the Kings to make it to the semis, but that was where their luck ran out. The Lakers destroyed the Pelicans by 44 points. The East semifinal was a little bit closer. The Pacers upset the Greek Geek Freak and the Bucks 128 to 119. The MVP of the final was technically LeBron James, but probably should have been Anthony Davis, who put up 41 points, 20 rebounds, five assists, and four blocks. The Lakers had to emphasize what they were doing well, what they do well during the regular season, which was not three-pointers. As a matter of fact, they didn't get their first three-pointer until the third quarter, but they played well inside the paint to beat the Pacers 123 to 109. Each player on the Lakers gets $500,000 for winning this tournament. Also some headlines from the regular season. Remember that we only had three days of regular season games this week. Joel Embiid put up half a hundred on Wednesday during their regular season game versus the Wizards, and they needed all of those points to beat the Washington team too. The 76ers only win by five. Speaking of close games, McCall Bridges took the lead in the Nets for the Nets with just four seconds remaining in the game against the Hawks. Like I said, I told you it was going to be a quick recap of the regular season this week. Also, the Thunder are looking at $900 million for constructing a new arena, as it is probably one of the most modest arenas in the entire league. But it is to be determined who will foot the bill, as it looks like it's trying to go to taxpayers or they risk losing the team to another market. That is what moved the team to Oklahoma in the first place. Remember, they were originally in Seattle. Also, let's go ahead and do a check-in on the standings as we come to this out-of-the-in-season tournament. In the East, the Celtics are leading, but only by one game. They have a 16-5 and record and are undefeated at home. But the Magic and the Bucks are only one win behind. In last on the East side is the Pistons with a 2-20 and record. Yikes. The Wizards are next at 3-18. and in the West, the Timberwolves are leading 17 to 4. That is the number of teams vying. There are a number of teams vying for second place. The Spurs are last in the West, even with Wemby, with a record of three wins to 18 losses. For college basketball this week, not a ton of upsets, but we're going to start with the Jimmy V Classic because it brought us great ranked matchups, on especially the one on Tuesday between number nine UNC and number five UConn. The Huskies beat the Tar Heels by 11 and beat them in both halves. Then we had an upset between ranked opponents in the Classic. Number 11, FAU, suffered their second loss of the season to number 20, Illinois. The Fighting Illini put up 59 points in the second half to mount that epic comeback. 
The Big East Big 12 battle ended this week as well. The Big 12 ultimately won that challenge, 7-4. to four. And the only ranked team to lose this week, and there was one last week, was number 12, Texas. Number 8, Marquette played number 12, Texas, on Wednesday, and it was an easy win for Marquette. They won by 21. This is the first time that the Big 12 has taken the Big East Big 12 battle title. In other ranked upsets or at least losses in the top 25 newly ranked number 25 san diego state had a slow start to their game against grand canyon only scoring 28 points in the first half the lopes yes that's the mascot of grand canyon had never beaten a ranked team before so they stormed the court after putting away the aztecs 79 to 73 there were actually no ranked teams at all in action on Thursday or Wednesday, but Saturday we started with a big one, number one, Arizona versus number 23, Wisconsin, and the Wildcats showed why they're ranked number one as they put away the Badgers 98-73, to dominating from the beginning. Number seven, Gonzaga is now 0-1 when playing away after losing to Washington by five points on Saturday. Then we had a bunch of upsets all right in a row. Number 13, Colorado State was upset by St. Mary's, but only by three. Utah got the better of their religious rivals. Number 14, BYU, coming out strong, leading the Cougars 45-31 at half. BYU would play better in the second half, but it wasn't enough, and they still lost by four. Number 20, Illinois, may have beat FAU earlier in the week, but then they had another ranked game this week against number 17, Tennessee. The Vols scored 52 in the second half to win by seven. All of those games were only on Saturday. Then Sunday, we just had two ranked games in action, and we had two upsets. Number 15, Miami, fell to Colorado, who opened a can of whoop-ass on that team, winning 90-63. to And then number 21, Texas A&M, also fell to Memphis in a much closer game, only losing by six. Sunday also brought us some really good news. Bronny James made his collegiate basketball debut this weekend in USC's game against Long Beach State. They did play on Sunday. He played just five months after suffering cardiac arrest. He scored four points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block. Now, his triumphant return to the court or at least his debut to the court, was dampened by the fact that USC lost in overtime to Long Beach State. But Bronny was just thankful he was out there. The entire James family was, of course, in attendance. And then I know I don't usually cover women's basketball, but this is too good because Iowa's Caitlin Clark has joined an elite club, scoring three thousand points in her career she became just the 15th player to do so in d1 women's basketball she's also the first of men or women to have 3,000 points 750 rebounds and 750 assists she got her 3,000th point off a three-pointer in Iowa's game against Iowa State on Wednesday. When asked about it, she said she just wanted to win and that she wouldn't be happy scoring 3,000 in a loss. Iowa did win for the record. You got to love that attitude. Moving along to college football. This weekend was the Heisman Trophy presentation. The finalists all went to New York, but only one is still practicing for the college football playoff. Although everyone will play in a bowl game unless, of course, they opt out. 
I certainly wasn't surprised by the outcome here, but it was closer than I expected. LSU's quarterback, Jaden Daniels, won the Heisman this year by only 328 votes, 211 first place votes, over Washington's quarterback, Michael Penix. That is the closest voting since 2018 when Kyler Murray edged out Alabama quarterback to a Tungavaloa. Now, Oregon's Bo Nix got third, and Ohio State's Marvin Harrison Jr. got fourth. Kind of interesting is that Florida State's hurt quarterback, Jordan Travis, was fifth. So, if you ask me, did Jaden deserve it? Absolutely. <laughs> Daniels is only the third LSU Tiger to win the coveted award. He is currently ranked number one in QBR. Yards per attempt, that's an that's a FBS record, by the way, passing touchdowns, completions over 20 yards. And not only is he a great passer and a QB, we knew that, but he is also ranked fourth among running backs for rushing yards per attempt with 8.4 yards and 25th in rushing yards per game total. So he is obviously a great runner as well. He started his career at Arizona State, making him the fifth in the last seven Heisman Trophy winners to be a transfer quarterback. Also, it was the final game before bowl season this week. It was the Army-Navy game, which is always one, a great one to watch. This year, both teams were 5-7, and seven, so we knew it was going to be a close game as well. Army went up 10 to nothing at half and through the third quarter, but then we had a flurry of scores, and you kind of sweat the over-under a little bit. Army got a scoop and scored to put another touchdown on the board, being up 17-3. to Navy then scored and was driving with the ball in the final minute, 20 seconds. But Army put up an impressive goal line stand in the final three seconds to end the game. Army beats Navy and wins the Commander-in-Chief Trophy, which is the trophy between Service Academy football teams. And with that, bowl season will begin on Saturday. I also want to go through some coaching um, updates because I didn't do the coaching carousel last week because frankly we just ran out of time with the craziness that was the college football playoff final announcement so Duke and this is as of this week Duke has found the replacement in now Manny Diaz you might remember him from his short time as a head coach at Miami for just two years or also under Mac Brown now fellow ACC rival at Texas he has also had stints at Florida State and NC State so he will have plenty of other ACC rivals to root against now. Indiana hired uh, James Madison's head coach, Kurt Singanetti. James Madison, remember, went 11-1 this season, the most in the Sun Belt, and a huge win during their transition year into the FBS. Oregon State also promoted their DC, Trent Bray, who, is now, who will now be their head coach. Boise State promoted their interim head coach, Spencer Danielson, after they won the Mountain West this week, this past week, two weekends ago now. Danielson is only 35 years old. Syracuse also hired Georgia's DB coach, Fran Brown, hoping that he brings in some good recruits to Syracuse, New York. And then Houston hired Tulane's head coach, Willie Fritz, which is a great move as he has done a great job with that team despite the loss to SMU in the conference championship week. You know what's not a great move, though, is leaking the story during conference championship warmups. So hopefully his players already knew before they played in that game. All right, moving along to the NFL. Finishing up from last week, Monday Night Football was a great game last week between the Jags and the Bengals. It was tied at half, and we were tied after the second half, too. 31-31. 
That was an accomplishment for Bengals in itself as they have, are on their backup quarterback, Browning. But Jake threw for 354 yards, getting them into overtime. The Jags got the ball first, but only managed to get 16 yards before having to punt. The Cincinnati team then set up a 40-yard field goal to win, and they are now 6-6. Six and six. Thursday night football with Patriots were 2-10 and ten going into that game, but Billy Zappi played well, scoring three passing touchdowns before halftime. That is crazy because usually the New England team hasn't scored 21 points in the last five weeks and only one time all season, and so for it already to be 21 points by half, seriously uncharacteristic for the team. The Steelers only got a touchdown in the second half, Obviously, it did not matter. So the Patriots get a nice W there. There were only five close games this week, but we had an overtime, helmets thrown, and of course, one super low scoring game. The overtime game was between the Rams and the Ravens. It was a high scoring affair between the two NFL great quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford and Lamar Jackson. It was 20 to 17 at half. That could take weeks for the Patriots to score that much. We hit the over under of 42 points before the start of the fourth quarter. Then a further 20 points were put up on the board. It was a great back and forth game that eventually ended in overtime. But the craziest part of this game was absolutely the ending. The Rams got the ball first in overtime and did nothing with it. They punted the ball back to the Ravens, who then proceeded to run it all the way back for a 76-yard punt return touchdown to win the game. So in the close games this week, the Bucks falcons was super close. The win probability chart changed teams 24 times. Yes, I sat there and counted it. No team scored back-to-back except for one time when there was a safety and then a Bucks touchdown. The Falcons scored their final TD going 75 yards in just five plays to go up 25-22 with just 3-23 remaining in the game. But that was plenty of time for quarterback Baker Mayfield and the Bucks. The Bucks scored on a pass to someone other than their top two wide receivers. That's why the play worked. Scoring a touchdown with just 31 seconds left. Then the Falcons completed a deep pass as time expired on the third yard, the three yard line, but it got stopped and fell short of the goal line. Bucks beat the Falcons. The Bills also frustrated quarterback Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, beating them 20 to 17. But it was really the fact that Kansas City lined up offsides on an incredible fourth down play that the Chiefs ended up scoring on with a brilliant lateral from Travis Kelsey that then resulted in what would have been the game winning touchdown. It was all called back and Mahomes was just a little bit upset. Then the Browns put up points in every quarter to beat the Jags 31 to 27. And those are the close games I'm going to go over. Then the Bears-Lions game was very lopsided, meaning never in a quarter did we have both teams score. First quarter was all Bears going up 10 to nothing. Then the Lions took the second quarter with two touchdowns to make it 13 to 10 at halftime. There was a failed PAT there. But after that, it was all Chicago in the second half as they put up 18 straight points. That is a big upset of Midwest rivals. The Texans also have been on a hot streak, but that came to a screeching halt this weekend. The Jets were 4-8, and but they shut down the Houston team's offense, winning 30-6. Houston scored only one touchdown as time expired at half. 
along those same low scoring lines. The Vikings Raiders game was super boring with the Vikings only scoring a field goal in the fourth quarter. To be fair, I didn't even recognize the quarterbacks in this matchup. So, and for the record, it is Mullins versus O'Connell for the Vikings and Raiders. Who knew? The Bengals also went again this week as they handled the Colts 34-14. The 49ers are on a roll with five back-to-back wins now. They are tied at the top of the NFC with the Eagles and the Cowboys. Speaking of the Eagles and the Cowboys, the two teams faced off in Sunday night football last night, and it could not have been a more different story than it was the, than the first time they played. The first time was a close game with the Eagles winning 28-23. to This time, the Eagles offense struggled in the first half, not scoring a single touchdown, only field goals. The Philly team trailed 24-6 to at half. They then made some solid adjustments on defense and stopped the Cowboys from scoring another touchdown in the entirety of the second half, but they also only managed to score one themselves at the very beginning of the second half. The Dallas team wins this one 33-13. And then the Broncos beat the the Chargers easily 24-7, but that wasn't the only win for quarterback Russell Wilson. He also had a baby girl yesterday with wife Sierra. I do want to go over a little bit of the NFL standings as we're getting closer and closer to the postseason. We now have two teams eliminated from the playoff picture. The Panthers and the Patriots have both been eliminated. Not a huge shock as Carolina has one win, but more teams are going to be in danger as the Cardinals are sitting at only three wins as well, the same as the eliminated Patriots. But at the top, there is a three-way tie in the NFC between the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the Eagles. They all sit at 10 wins. And in the AFC, only one team has double-digit wins, and that is the Ravens, who are sitting pretty. In the golf world, it was a big shock as John Rahm has officially moved over to the enemy. I mean, the live tour. (laughs) He got a contract worth more than $300 million. That is the rumor there. It had been swirling around the rumor mill for a little bit that he was thinking about it because money was being thrown around. And here the news is final. Also, Wells Fargo has said they will not renew their PGA Tour title sponsorship of their tournament in North Carolina. Finally, wrapping it up with Olympic news, and we're going to stick all with the Winter Olympics. It was the Grand Prix Finals this weekend in China for the figure skating season. American Ilya Melanin fell on his opening quad axle, but it didn't matter. He still won the Grand Prix Final 17.32 points in front of the next guy. His score of 314.66 is the sixth highest ever in this scoring system. No one else even attempted a quad axle, to put that in perspective. Also, American couple Madison Schock and Evan Bates won the ice dance competition for the first time the day before. Japanese skater Kaori Sagamato won the women's event. She completed seven straight triples in her program. Michaela Schifrin won her 91st World Cup title this weekend at St. Moritz, but it was not in her signature event. In fact, it was a little bit of an upset. She won the downhill against the likes of Sofia Goja and Federica Brignoni. So absolutely crazy that she's doing it not only in her signature slalom, but also in the downhill. 
And then speaking of rare feats, the United States got its first luge doubles World Cup title in 18 years. That is equivalent of 184 World Cup titles or World Cup races. That also dates back to 2005. The men to get this accomplishment is Zach DiGregorio and Sean Hollander, beating the Australian team by .052, who were leading after round one. That pretty much wraps up what's going on or what happened over the last week. Now let's go over what to watch this upcoming week in the world of sports. Lots more NBA regular season on this week, but not a ton on TV. Tuesday, the Lakers take on the Mavs at 6.30 on TNT, followed by the Warriors at the Suns at 9. Then on Friday, the Lakers at the Spurs at 6.30 on ESPN, and the Knicks take on the Suns at 9 on ESPN as well. So the Suns pretty much catch them at 9 on Tuesday and Friday. For men's basketball, we only have a couple of ranked matchups. There's only three this week. So Friday, the Continental Tire tip-off. You can catch number five, UConn, at number 10, Gonzaga. They will play at nine on ESPN2. And then Saturday, we actually have two ranked first ranked matchups. One in the Indy Classic, number one, Arizona, versus number three, Purdue. That'll be a huge game. That will be at 3.30 on Peacock. And then in the CBS Sports Classic, number nine, UNC, takes on number 14, Kentucky, at 4.30. That will be on CBS. In women's basketball, we've got Wednesday, 22, Creighton at 19, Marquette at 7. And then Saturday, number 18, Louisville, will play number 17, UConn, at 11 a.m. This week, again, I told you it was bowl season, so we only have a couple of bowls going on this week. Since we only have six in action, I'll just go ahead and go through those, and from then on, I will be picking the games that will be closest and actually um, with ranked teams in them. Starting with the Myrtle Beach Bowl, that will be Georgia Southern takes on Ohio on Saturday at 10 a.m. on ESPN. Ohio favored by a point and a half. The RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl is Jacksonville State versus Louisiana. Jacksonville State is new to the FBS this year, but there were not enough six and six teams to make it to the bowl season, so that's why they get to play. On Saturday, they will take on they will play Louisiana on Saturday at ESPN at 1.15. The Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl will be the Miami of Ohio versus App State. They will play on ABC at 2.30. The New Mexico Bowl will be New Mexico State versus Fresno State on ESPN at 4.45. Then the Starco Brands LA Bowl will be UCLA versus Boise State on ABC at 6.30. And ending out the week, Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl, Cal versus Texas Tech. That will be a great game on Saturday at 8.15 on ESPN. Moving along to the NFL, we've got obviously Monday night football tonight. We've got two games, Titans at the Dolphins at 7.15 on ESPN and the Packers at the Giants at 7.15, but on ABC. Then on Thursday night football, Chargers take on the Raiders at 7.15 on Prime. We have three games on Saturday as well. They will all be on the NFL Network. The Vikings, Bengals, Steelers, Colts, Broncos, and Lions are all in action on Saturday. So check out the blog, The Girlfriend's Guide to Sports, for more times for that, seeing as they're on the NFL Network. Sunday, 
There are seven games at noon on CBS or Fox. The CBS games are the Bucks at the Packers, the Texans at the Titans, and the Jets at the Dolphins. Then on Fox, the Bears at the Browns, the Chiefs at the Patriots, the Giants at the Saints, and the Falcons at the Panthers. Then at 3.05 on CBS, the Commanders at the Rams or the 49ers at the Cardinals. Then at 325 on Fox, catch the Cowboys at the Bills. That'll be a great game, too. The Ravens take on the Jags at 720 for Sunday Night Football on NBC. And next Monday Night Football is the Eagles at the Seahawks at 715, both on ESPN and ABC. This weekend for golf, we've got the PNC Championship. That is where a PGA Tour golfer or LPGA Tour golfer plays with their son or daughter, um, one of their family members. So that will be on TV this weekend. Again, check out the blog for that. Hockey this week, much more going on. Tuesday, Red Wings at the Blues at 6.30 on ESPN. And then the Blackhawks take on the Oilers at 9. Wednesday, the Bruins at the Devils at 6.30 on TNT and the Sabres at the Avalanche at 9. Then there's a couple of games on Hulu. That wraps it up for me this week. Like I said, bowl season going on. In-season tournament for NBA is over. NBA or NCAA basketball is in full swing. Lots going on as you get your Christmas shopping done. Always check out the blog, Girlfriend's Guide to Sports, for more stories and times. And I will catch y'all next week.